rolling. Hey there, Andy and Zach here, and welcome back to the A to Z No BS Show. And if you're watching here at home, this is our first try at our next iteration of capturing the show. So in years past now, we've done handheld recorders mm -hmm. at the bar, we've done microphones that we crowd around, we've done live streaming on Instagram, and so this is our next iteration. A That's camera right. at my place, and the probably the most important new addition, a little, a little baby off screen. Well, yeah, so if, you, if I appear distracted this way, it's because Summer's here with us today, and she is not enjoying her pacifier like I would like her to. All right, man, well, let's get right into it. Dive right in? Dive right in. Dips. Mm. Do you do them? How do you progress them? Maybe in your own training and in your gym. The quick answer is that I do them, but rarely, mm -hmm. personally, and I don't do them at all in my gym. You don't program them for any of your clients? No. In part, because I don't really have a great, I don't have like a, you know how Gym 5 has the dip bar thing that... The horns? Yeah, they go out yeah. on the rack. I don't have one of those. I'm sure Rogue makes them, but I don't own them. Right. It's been my experience that most people are not strong enough to do dips and do them well enough to program them. Yeah, to warrant them being part of your, right. part of your program. Now, if I had, like, Gym 5 has the, the plate loaded that you could, um, you know, grade the exposure or whatever. Um, assisted the, dips. The assisted, thank you. Right. If, if I had an assisted dip, like machine, like Gym 5 does, then I more than likely would do them on occasion. I find most people just have crappy shoulders, and it just puts them in a, a compromising position. So that's why I don't program them for anybody. Right. Even my own shoulders don't tolerate them, so I only do them, kind of like deadlifts now, I only do them on occasion when I'm feeling feisty. Sure. <laughs> what about you? Yeah, I've gone through phases. When I kind of first started out lifting, I actually pushed my dips pretty hard to the point where I would do pretty heavily weighted dips. I think I worked up to like 100 pounds, yeah. 100 pound weighted dips. Couple, for, couple of 45 pound plates. Yeah, for like sets of five or six. Back in my younger years. Back in my day, if yes. Only, if only coach should put me in. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what sport I would even attempt to play, but yeah. Um, and then for the longest time, I didn't really train them. Um, and same kind of thing, I think I got uh, various shoulder tweaks mm -hmm. like over the years and you know you get to a point where if an exercise just doesn't feel quite right uh, you just you just scrap it right um, I think there's there's kind of almost like a like a tolerance you know it's like people will hold on to the bench press for way longer than what they should right <laughs> But then there are other exercises where you kind of cross that point a little bit faster, a little bit quicker. Mm -hmm. I think dips are one of those lifts where it's like, eh, I don't need to be doing this as like a major push. So it gets scrapped. You know what I love about having experience in the gym, both as a coach and trainee, is like, I don't think I have an emotional attachment to it. Well, that's a lie. Let me back up. 
I don't have an emotional attachment to most exercises. I do love to squat. If you told me I could never squat again, I'd probably be buying that belt squat. Mm. So I want to squat. Right. Um, but beyond that, having no emotional connection to any lift anymore is kind of nice because like, I don't care if I do dips and I don't care if I deadlift. Now, it'd be nice to be able to do them. And, and that's the way I kind of position a lot of exercises with a lot of my clients is, well, let's take dips, for example. If someone's really curious about doing them and doing them well, I will introduce the, the lift mm. and be like, here's, let's work on it. And here's like the progression and, and here's how we're going to try it or whatever. But um, if they don't like it or they don't want to do it, we don't force it. Right. So um, only if they were asking me specifically to learn how to do dips would I coach it. Sure. I probably two years ago, I started incorporating a self-assisted dip technique mm. where you kind of come down through the negative on your own and then you jump essentially up yeah. into the next rep. So you're kind of like kicking assisting. Off the floor. Yeah, kicking off the floor. So <clears throat> using that kind of self-assist on the concentric yeah. um, really worked for me. And I found that after a couple months of doing that technique, that regular dips after a little warm-up um, felt totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the main thing I don't like about dips in my shoulders now is I could do the assisted one to get my shoulders loose. I tend to just go straight for the horns. So it's kind of mm. like doing pull-ups. Right. You, there's an assisted pull-up. I could also do a warm-up assisted pull-up before I do regular pull-ups. I don't. I just jump right in. Right. And so sometimes my shoulders are fine and sometimes they're not. Yeah. And with, you know, again, my shoulder history, this one being surgically repaired and then apparently I have a really bad labrum tear in the left one, it ends up being such a compromising lift for me that if I want to be in pain for a few days, then I'll do certain exercises that cause pain, like dips. If I you want. If I want to. If I feel like being in pain for a few days. But that's me specifically. Right. So, and I try to remember that, especially when I'm working with clients, that just because I have issues with a certain lift doesn't mean that everybody will. Right. And I think that's something that's important to talk about with dips specifically, because you probably have those people like on YouTube or Instagram that's like, never do dips. It's awful for your shoulders. Everybody's going to have shredded shoulders by doing dips. And you and I both know for every person like me, there's probably five or 10 people that can do dips, no problem. And mm -hmm. we'll never have any issues. So that whole, that sort of blanket um, recommendation of avoiding exercises because it will for sure cause problems for everybody. I will occasionally find myself, like catch myself starting to say, Lots of people have problems, and I'm like, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you will. Right. So right. it's a compromising lift for this reason, but just because it bothers my shoulders doesn't mean that it will bother yours. And I have to be careful to, to say stuff like that when I'm coaching. Yeah. I think there's also an assumption that just because it's a bodyweight exercise, that it's something that you don't need to warm up for. Oh, you know, yeah. like, like you mentioned, like pull-ups. Or even like push-ups, you know, if I'm not, if I'm not warmed up in a certain kind of way, even the simple push-up just kind of doesn't feel great. Right. You know, so uh, especially when you get to be a certain age or a certain athlete or you have certain mileage on your joints, mm -hmm. 
no matter what the nature of the exercise is, whether it's body weight, barbell, kettlebell, machine, you know, no matter what tool you're using, there's probably some sort of strategy that you probably need to do for your own body to just kind of grease the wheels to make it all work right. Right. And that's what I found obviously has been the case with me with, uh, with dips. I also find that there's a big difference between parallel bars mm -hmm. or, or even angled bars and rings. Really? I've never done rings. You've never done ring dips? I, I mean, I, I, uh, I don't think so. No. Ah, you don't know what you're missing, man. Well, m maybe. There's a little bit of a technique, obviously, like with the grip, like, you know, like the ring grip, and then you've got the ring, like, you know, just kind of mashing on the top of your forearm. Mm -hmm. But rings are very, I, I think rings are very forgiving for pull-ups and dips because of the inherent freedom of rotation mm -hmm. motion that you get in the rings. And specifically for dips, you can keep those hands super duper close. Right. Now, obviously they're unstable. They're inherently an unstable platform from which to, to you know, lift from. Mm -hmm. So there is that kind of shaking component but um, once you get the hang of it, ring dips are, for me, like five ring dips kind of equals 10 parallel bar dips in terms of like the pump, the effort, right. the intensity. That's fair. Yeah. But, you know, even beyond that, um, I think even if you don't work the full dip uh, repetition, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of value to just holding like a dip lockout. Summer agrees. Summer disagrees. <laughs> she, oh, she disagrees. I don't know. No, she's fine. She's like, what are you talking about? I don't like dips. So you think there's a, there's there'd be value in like an isometric hold in the dip position? Sure. I think you could, you know what I I would like that actually is like like especially if you did like a Four inch motion, let's say like a rope press down or overhead press down or whatever, tricep extension, and then went into an isometric hold in that dip. I kind of like that. Um, especially if you don't, if dips would otherwise disagree with you or you're just not really acclimated to the exercise. Mm -hmm. Starting with that isometric hold, especially after like a pre-fatigue, that'd be kind of fun actually. We should try that next time we're at Gym 5. There you go. As a little arm finisher. Yeah, I mean, even if you're, you know, Again, you're right that it's, you know, it, it's not going to substitute an actual pressing movement, but I think in the interest of like training, like scapular depression, mm -hmm. you know, pulling your shoulders away from your ears, pressing yourself away, I kind of see it as almost a, you know, if you're doing farmer carry, you're working like your traps and your grip strength with weight trying to pull you down. Mm -hmm. It's the same shape just in the opposite, with the opposite intention. Right. Pushing, pushing yourself, yourself away. away. Yeah. Well, I do like that because I'm sure you've seen a lot of push-ups where people's shoulder blades stay put. In mm. other words, they don't move around the rib cage. So being able to really flex that shoulder blade, you know, protraction, retraction, upward rotation, elevation, depression, being able to work through all those ranges of motion um, when most people don't, yeah, um, yeah I, I like that idea, especially with that depression. Mm -hmm. 
Woof. And you get that serratus probably. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's another, you know, in the same way that you can hang and do like scat pull-ups, mm -hmm. you can hold like a dip lockout and work like if you were to like tuck your pelvis and your hips and work that that shoulder protraction, mm -hmm. neutral protraction, yeah. neutral protraction. You know, kind of like basic probably like gymnastics type type drills. But uh, yeah, that straight arm strength. Especially for like, probably for elbow health too. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, straight arm strength. I think that's a good one to train. But, so to, uh, to put a bow on that, dips, not for everybody. Probably worth pursuing to a certain degree. But uh, even if the full range of motion dip isn't appropriate, Working in a little bit of that straight arm strength, yeah, probably valuable. Yeah, and I think you know if you've never done dips, the most logical way of, of starting would be, you know, like like we were talking about at gym five, they have the assisted dip. That would probably be the best way to progress into dips, like full range dips, is something that you could very easily modify the intensity so you aren't shredding your shoulders and you know busting up elbows. I tell clients all the time now, like, I will never be mad about an additional warm-up set. Like, like if we're working through a squat progression or squat warm-ups to get to, like, a working weight, if we're at 130, or uh, let's say the safety bar is 155, the, doesn't matter where, where it's at, let's say 155. If you add 10s, it puts it at 175. If you add 25s, it puts it at 205. So you're going from 155 to 175 or 155 to 205. Now, depending on who this person is, sometimes a 50-pound jump, you and I both, probably when you and I both feel really fresh, we would make that 50-pound jump, right? Mm -hmm. Especially at 205. Maybe not 255, but 205. We'd be like, yeah, we, we got that. Sure. But I tell my clients, I'm like, look, I'm never going to be mad if you want another warm-up like ramp set to get to where we're going. Sure. But and then Dr. Mike Isertel posted this the other day on Instagram or something on YouTube. He posted something about warm-up sets. And he's like, don't take all your warm-up sets all the way to 10. And I was like, damn it, dude, I've been saying this for like years. I don't know how you've thought about this. Or if you, this seems like one of those weird little things that we don't really talk about or think about. But when it, in practical terms, when I'm in the gym... Let's say I'm working up to, I've got a client that's going to deadlift 285 or 290, 285 this week. When we get past 225, when we get to 135, it'll be five or fewer. We get yeah. to 185, probably three or fewer. When we get to 225, probably doubles until we get, and then we'll go 245, 265, 275, 285, and just yeah. go doubles on the way up there. Even if she was pulling 285 for five, it's not five and five and five and five and five and five. I'm like, just get used to the weight change. That's all I need. Two or three, get used to the load. Let's make the next jump. We don't need to be like doing 10 reps at each stop along the way. I just thought it was funny he posted that. And I was like, I should have posted that. <laughs> well, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. And I've said this before. You, you kind of have to reverse engineer your warm-ups. Like each warm-up set needs to serve the next set. Right. So like your very first warm-up set should only serve to warm you up optimally 
for the next warm-up set. Right. And that, and that follows that pattern all the way to your last warm-up set should just prime you optimally for your first working set. Right. And if you're doing tens or as you go heavier, even fives, you're stealing a little bit of your energy and strength and work capacity for those top sets. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, even a lot of times when I'm warming up, I'll do odd numbers. I'll do odd in the sense of like not common numbers. Like I'll do fours, sixes, you know, or sometimes I'll just go and like as soon as I start to feel like I'm kind of like starting to actually like push and struggle, I'll stop. Yeah. Yeah, you just figure these things out over the course of time where it's like, why am I blowing myself out of the water on my warm-ups? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not even just the energy. It's the time. Right. The time it takes to rip two set or two reps, excuse me, versus 10 reps and the recovery. Two reps is nothing. 10 reps is a lot. So you got to recover from that too. So it's not even just the time it takes. It's the recovery. So I could be turned back around and going for a double again in 60 seconds whereas somebody else is sucking wind after 10 reps they gotta wait two or three minutes when you're trying to maximize efficiency efficiency in the gym which i think most everybody is trying to do that's you know energy and resources that can't get back yeah now, i think there is maybe a time and a place maybe in a certain type of training block where you do go all out and you're you you're kind of a hero on your warm-ups when you're in more of like a high rep maybe conditioning oriented phase uh work capacity oriented phase or you're just honestly just trying to chase a pump but if you're trying to get strong and you're trying to progressively overload then yeah it's like warm-ups just don't count yeah all right now now we've got gears turning going back to the dips thing because we been talking about dips if not dips, you can't do dips, but you want to train something similar, what's your next, what's your go-to? Because so you, you want to you be able to do dips, but you can't. Yeah. You want to train muscle groups similarly, but you can't do dips. What are you doing? Yeah. Probably doing push-ups. Mm -hmm. I actually really like this variation of push-up where it's elevated, but you're still maintaining a horizontal position mm. as opposed to a diagonal position. I think I've made a post on this, but if you post your hands like on a bench and you bend your knees and you creep your feet way up close to the bench, you can still be horizontal to the bench itself, right? like your torso, but it's still an elevated surface. It's a short lever. It's a short lever. Huh. So you're actually getting the best of both worlds. You're getting the elevation, so that makes it easier than doing it on the floor. Right. But you're also not compromising the actual um, shape. So you're not, you're not holding your body at a diagonal, like a 45 degree diagonal. Right. You're still able to hold your body at a horizontal to the ground position. Interesting. Yeah. I kind of like this better than what I did today. I had a couple of clients. Now, they can do a shitload of push-ups now. We hadn't tested push-ups in a while, and they came in and ripped like 10 body weight at the end of a workout, mm. like on the floor. 
Um, but I had a, uh, for part of it, they were going band assisted where they were on the floor doing pushups, but they had a super band at the, on the pull-up bar in the squat rack and then around their waist to like help them out of the hole. I do like that progression, but for the same reason that it's, it's flawed for the same reason that pull-ups with the band are flawed. You get the most help in the area that you probably need to work on. Right. So... Um, it's a tool, but you know, I kind of like what you're talking about better as far as like a progression for pushups. If pushups off the floor are not possible yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with close grip bench. That's my choice. Close grip bench. Okay. Barbell. Close grip bench would be my choice for trying to target similar muscle groups without being able to do dips. That said sidebar, I'm just curious cause I haven't done it in years. When's the last time you did decline barbell bench? Good question. It's probably been since my lifetime fitness days. What is it about that? Is there even a decline at gym five? There, there's decline benches for you to do like crunches, like sit-ups off of. So in theory, you could you could dumbbell. Could. I mean, I've seen people just like put plates under, you know, one, right. under and like just, the foot of the bench. Um, but no, I don't think there's a decline bench press setup at gym five. Have they, have decline benches fallen out of popularity? I'm sure it's one of those things where if it was there, oh, it, oh it, yeah, everybody would use it. Oh, for sure. But it's not there. Right. You know? Um, yeah. So decline bench has a mechanical advantage. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of push more weight. You can probably push a little bit more volume. Decline, I guess, if we're talking about like the dip ballpark, it does mimic that kind of downward motion, mm-hmm. that press down towards your hip kind of motion. But yeah, from... From a real training standpoint, I don't know anybody who really takes the decline bench press very seriously. Huh. I mean, to your point, back in my like YMCA days 10 years ago, I, I did a lot more of it, but not anymore. I also did, that was when I was doing plate-loaded dips. Right. But basically, ever since I blew out my shoulder playing lacrosse, <laughs> which was about 10 years ago, yeah, uh, a little long, maybe 10 or 11 years ago, Ever since then, it felt all of those fell out of favor just because I couldn't, my shoulders couldn't take it. Right. What about a decline barbell bench with a football bar, neutral grip? I like that. That'd be fun. I've come close to buying a football bar for the gym, but I haven't done it yet. Yeah. I mean, at that point, you're, I mean, you're really getting closer and closer to just the dip motion upside down. Right. Now, yeah. admittedly, though, it's not the same in that the dip motion is free moving. Like, it's an open chain, open free moving. Open chain, there we Whereas go. Whereas the decline bench, you've got the, pre- the pad to press against. Is the bench press closed chain? I'd call it open chain. Okay. Because it's free moving, but, but it's different. It's more, it's more stable Wait than a, a dip. Wait a minute. Is a dip, dip is closed chain. Dip would be open chain. What is a squat? Closed chain. 
if a squat is closed chain, why would a dip be open well, chain? Well, the same and likewise, why would a bench be open chain? I think you these, would think, I think these would, terms are probably irrelevant to anybody. You would think as as strength and conditioning professionals, we would have a tighter handle on this. But But I think it's irrelevant. Like I don't think those those <laughs> those names or titles or whatever you want to call it are I don't think they matter that much. They they don't matter. I think if if memory serves me right, I think the way that I remember it is that open chain is when you when you finish a rep, when you finish the concentric of a rep, there's your so like I think the bench would be open because when you finish, you're finishing into air. And when you finish a squat, you're finishing with your feet into the ground. Does that, am I getting that right? Right, but if you think about it, what's the difference between moving a bar on your back with your feet planted and moving a bar in your hands with your feet planted and your back planted? In, in theory, I could make a because case. Because your legs aren't moving. Right, but I could make a case for, yeah, but the bar is moving. In both circumstances, the bar moves. The right. squat, the bar moves, bench, the bar moves. In the squat, feet are on the ground, and the bench, feet are on the ground. I could make a case for the bench being more closed chain only because you have feet on the ground and your back planted. So it's a more stable exercise. Lending the squat to being open chain and the bench being closed chain. We might need to refresh our well, grasp I've, of I've the definition. My, I've got my NSCA essentials at the gym. I was going to say, listen, I will yield... I will yield every kinesiology and exercise science point to Andy because, as we all know from the internet, Andy is CSCS certified. CSCS and a master's in uh, expos. And he actually has a degree. Well, and you know what's funny is I actually use that. Well, well, people have been asking like, oh, my heart rate's so high and my breathing rate's so high after doing a set of squats. Like, it's like cardio. And then I'm like, but it's not. And then mm. I talk to him about all the reasons why your heart rate spikes and your breathing rate increases with, it, with anaerobic exercise. So I've been flexing that knowledge at the gym, you brother. Flex that, that big brain muscle of yours. To me, it's like, it, you try, I kind of chalk it up to this. It's kind of like... When people, when they exercise and they're like, I burn so many calories. It's like, can't we just exercise for the benefits of exercise and not right. the calorie burn? And the same with like the, it's kind of like cardio. And I'm like, can't we just do cardio for, the, for cardio's sake and do weight training for strength's sake and not try to conflate them as being the same thing? Because they're not. Yeah. But also, like, I don't know. That's just me nitpicking. But yeah, I mean. Well, everybody likes to think they're getting some sort of an edge. Everybody likes to think they're multitasking or the you know strength and cardio in one you know we, we've heard that infomercial right like so many times in so many ways like right. the secret hormone that torches belly fat right. and the secret exercise protocol that builds muscle and torches fat at the same time well, for so up to 36 hours here's a here's a perfect way that i can that we can put this conversation to rest you told me off air that you were training for the half marathon in April. Am I not supposed to be announcing that? I've been outed. 
Okay. Well, if you want, you can cut that. Ladies, out. I was gonna say I edit this podcast. You so. edit this podcast. If you don't, no, like. this is this is great. All right. So let's put it. Let's put this in these great. terms. So you're planning to run a half marathon, right? You're a well-trained strength athlete, right? Absolutely. Okay. Brother. But there is no part of you that would cons- even consider just showing up on race day without putting in any miles, right? Oh, of course not. Right. So nobody would, right? Nobody looks at a marathon or a half marathon or even a five-mile run, and they're like, oh, well, I squat and I bench and I lift weights. I'm just going to go run five miles on this thing, and I'm going to kill it. No one thinks that. No one puts two and two together and is like, oh, well, I'm already pretty fit. I don't need to go. I don't need to go run. So, yeah, we already know that it's not the same because if, if it were, then you would have elite-level bodybuilders going to run marathons, but mm. they don't. Right. In fact... They're probably terrible at it. Well, no, they do some cardio. The elite level, they do. Yeah, yeah, they do their... But, but, but not half marathon or full marathon cardio. Well, your, your stereotypical bodybuilder walks. Yeah. Or does Stairmaster right. or um, elliptical, which is all great. But so much of cardio is also just so task-specific. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why a triathlon is a thing. Right. You know, because you have to be conditioned at biking, swimming, running. Right. You know, and just having having good work capacity in one domain doesn't translate into the other domain. Right. For that matter, talk about, like, work capacity, get... Uh, an elite marathoner and have them come do uh, takedown drills in jujitsu class. Get smoked. Oh, oh boy. Yeah. I, I, I always kind of laugh at myself when in class, when we're doing like these I go, you go, like takedown drills, I'm like, this is what a burpee should be. Yeah. <laughs> like learning how to like take a fall, learning how to like get you know get smashed and then get right back up and smash somebody else dude that was what wrestling was when i was a freshman in high school right you would learn to take down and then you would just drill it back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and if you took too long to get off the floor and back into the drill our coach was on your ass like immediately oh yeah so there was no sitting around there it was just take down take down take down and recover Learn to hit the ground hard and then get back up again. Right. So, hey, now. Right, exactly. So, but, you know, that's the thing. I, you know, I, I laugh about this when people are like, oh, you can help me move because you're strong. And I'm like, these muscles are for show. I don't use them for helping people move. Don't ask me to help you move. You, be, if you asked me to help you move, I would help you move. To but, be fair, you helped me move into this apartment. That's true. Also, to be fair... I think I only had, like, two things for you to help me move. Well, yeah. That's, I like that. I think this 75-pound couch is one of them. Yeah, that's not that bad. No. Um, that, that must go down as the easiest friendly uh, move you've, probably. you've ever done. Probably. I think, I think we made three total trips. I'm, I'm at, the point, at this point in my life... Like anybody who's our age, it's like, help me move. I'm like, no, hire movers. Unless it's like two things, like what you had. My entire house, we're hiring movers. I'm not moving that shit. 
Oh yeah, dude. Uh -uh. I'm yeah. too old for that now. Plus I got this one. I'm gonna hang on to her. So, but I don't know. I do think it's funny going back to fitness. I do think it's funny when people that are really good at one thing. Now that said, I do think a certain level of, of athleticism does carry you quite far as opposed to just being like a deconditioned, detrained, haven't done anything. In other words, perfect example, I want to play men's lacrosse, like the men's league lacrosse, rec, whatever you want to call it now as an adult, almost in the master's level, master's club, whatever. I want to play. But here's the thing, despite being strong and relatively fit, I don't sprint up and down a turf field ever. So my body can't do it. It doesn't know how to do it. It hurts for days afterwards. So just because I'm strong in one arena or fairly fit in one arena does not translate well into another one. Yeah. And I think sometimes people can lose sight of that. And that's probably when people get hurt is they think that, oh, well, I work out and I'm fine. It's like, hmm. Yeah, but this is different. This is different. Yeah. Let's not try to conflate. And I learned the hard way with, with kickball. I went out there, I threw a ball 10 yards once and slammed a beer. And then I went and threw my arm out because I didn't warm up my arm. I also didn't think I'd ever have to do that, but yeah. Yeah. So anyway. Well, therein lies the said principle. Specific adaptations to impose demands. Mm-hmm. Specific and imposed. Mm-hmm. Specific adaptations impose demands. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, and there is, there is some amount of carryover, like, in general, with athleticism, running, jumping. When you start getting towards the top end of the pyramid, like sprinting very fast versus mm -hmm. just being able to run or you know when you add skill on top of that like you're a lacrosse player and you actually have to have some sort of hand-eye coordination mm -hmm. or the ability to cut angles change mm -hmm. direction that's all that is inherently a different specific adaptation that you have to uh that you have to train well, what I love about training and talking about training in this instance is um, what Dan John puts it well. He's like runners run, throwers throw, jumpers jump. Right. Or Kyle Dobbs, who we've talked about before. He's like, don't, don't try to mimic your sport in the gym. And you and I both know this. Mm. Like, we're not trying to mimic sport in the gym. But our exercise selection should probably try to mimic or be in line with the demands of the sport. So if you need to be fast, you should probably do some fast stuff in the gym. If you need to be strong, you should probably do strength work. If you're a runner, some single leg work is probably a good idea. So point is, like, don't try to like, I don't know, do lacrosse moves with a barbell. It's not, <laughs> don't, you know? Right. Don't be dodging around people carrying a 45 pound bar that's pretty gnarly but if you want to get strong yeah that carries over you should probably do some single leg stuff and you should probably move laterally that's some we're making some new noises she's all about new noises this week week 13 today wow she's, she's... all about new noises and she has a couple new cries 
Okay, great. So we're trying to figure out what those mean. Her vocabulary is expanding. It is expanding. So Amazing. Yeah, she's cute. Um, yeah, train qualities that you think will translate over into your sport. Again, going back to what you're doing, running. If, if all you had to do is be strong to be a good runner, then you would not be putting in the miles. Right. So, and you're not about to... <laughs> You're not about to be jogging, jogging. You're not about to be jogging from the squat machine <laughs> to the bench press. Unfortunately, I can't kettlebell swing my way through a half marathon. Are you gonna be that that person that's like, uh, you ever see those people on the side of the street at like a stoplight that's like running in place? You're gonna be doing that in between sets of squats. I've thought about it's it. It's like running in place, but like, well, I might as well get in my cardio, Dude, bro. Dude, I, I gotta get those steps in. <laughs> I got, yeah, I gotta get those steps. Um, yeah, and I mean, going back to this whole idea of how you train like a specific skill and like general strength and athleticism, I think a good example is like if you're a basketball player, you wouldn't want to practice with a weighted basketball. Right. Because that is going to totally throw off your shooting mechanics, mm -hmm. your dribbling mechanics. So basketball handling a basketball in and of itself is a specific sport it's a specific skill mm -hmm. but as we saw from like the michael jordan and his trainer that kind of revolution yeah so jordan was like one of these first guys who started lifting weights and bulked up so he didn't get shoved around mm -hmm. you know so much and again Jordan's, you know, lifting was lifting and his skill practice was skill practice. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just in our, in our nature to try to like maximize everything, efficiency, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Trying to maximize, right. every, you know, like try to do it all at the same time. It's like save sport practice for practice and, yeah. you know, get strong in the weight room and don't try to conflate the two. Yeah. Yeah, and the cliche example is get your cardio and your strength in one. Yeah. Da, 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 da. Now, to be fair, I think there's probably some that promise is fulfilled, I think, in like some certain exercise modalities, but not a lot, and probably not by the average lifter. It depends on what the cardio demands of whatever it is you're trying to do. How, sure. long, how long is an average? When you're when you're sparring in jujitsu, like competing, what, like what's a? I don't know anything about jujitsu, so you'll have to forgive me. Like a round? A yeah. How long is a round? Uh, it could be as short as two minutes or as long as five. So, a considerable amount of time. Now, how much time between rounds? Maybe a minute. And so, and you would, you would say that during the two to five minutes, it's pretty vigorous. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now while as coaches, if you're trying to get really conditioned for jujitsu, I would probably dose some lists, low intensity, steady state to help with recovery. But most of your cardio endeavors, if we're going like, to specifically do cardio, would be really high intensity bouts for two to five minutes with minute rest. Because that's as specific as we can possibly get. 
Sure. And it would probably be, given your sport, not running. It'd be elliptical or rower or skipping rope or skier or airdyne or whatever. Something that we can maximize the cardiovascular effect with as little joint stress as possible because you literally have your arm like breaking in half or your shoulder shredded. So yeah, whatever we would do, we try to be minimizing stress on the joints. So anyway. Right. Yeah, we would mimic that. Like, so yeah, as long as the cardio bout is similar to your sport, then that it makes it relevant. Otherwise, I don't think 10 seconds for you, like a 10 second mm. sprint would be relevant, especially a right. 10 second sprint followed by a five minute recovery. Right. Probably wouldn't do you much good. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I think on, on the other end of the spectrum, LISS, low intensity steady state, is probably beneficial for everybody. Yeah, well, um, for sure. That oftentimes, unless you have like either a good coach or some sort of, you know, exercise science knowledge, a lot of people just kind of skip over the importance of LISS, mm -hmm. or, which honestly could just be a simple matter of getting in your 10,000 steps a day. Right. Just, just getting in consistent walking, consistent movement. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I think being outside, like to your, like running or even going for a walk or even hiking, as far as like exercise, I think derives a lot more benefits than just the cardiovascular part alone, like mental and physical health, mental and emotional health, excuse me, along with the physical part, um, as opposed to like slogging it out on a treadmill at gym five. Right. So not, well, I'm not trying to dog it. I'm just saying that if given the choice to be outside doing my lists versus at gym five, I'd more likely go outside if I could. Of course. Um, which like today, so today my workout was literally carrying her in the front backpack around the park mm -hmm. at Shelby Bottoms. So that was my exercise for the day. When did you go to Shelby Bottoms? What time did we go to Shelby Bottoms? Um, I want to say it was like probably around two. Okay. Were you there? I went out for my run from the Nature Center. Yeah. At 11. Oh, I, yeah, I missed you. But I, I parked at the Nature Center. Yeah. Well, just, yeah, just missed you. Well, cool, man. Well, good stuff. Mm-hmm. Summer, thank you for playing along. She's like, I mean, I kind of did. So that's good exercise and to stand with a baby and rock her back and forth while talking on a microphone. Yeah, that's, that's dad conditioning. That's, that's dad, dad conditioning. strength. So, no, it's good. You know, what's nice about having a baby is you want to be outside more. So you go, you go to the park and do stuff. And you, you can't lay down. There's no napping at our house. <laughs> so there's no, there's no sitting on your ass. Definitely not. Um... All right, so before we sign off, mm -hmm. Lift of Palooza. By the time this publishes, tomorrow. Yeah, so by the time this publishes, Dan John will be en route. either in Nashville or on his way. And yeah, man, we've got, we've got a great crew of people who have signed up. Everything's, everything's in place. And... Um, I'm just super excited to get everybody in the same room and to get it rolling and really to learn from 
one of the guys who I kind of consider a, uh, I don't know, like one of the godfathers of what we do. Oh, yeah. So Heavy, heavy influence on what you and I do. Yeah. So it, it's cool to kind of just say this out loud that for one reason or another, I've uh, just never really had or taken the opportunity to go to a Dan John event. So I decided to host my own. So you do it. Why if you, not? If you build it. They will come. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what time does everything kick off on Saturday? Uh, so Saturday, we actually have a bit of a late start. So it's 1030. Okay. Um, because our host gym has a morning class. Oh, it's at Fit Factory, right? It's at Fit Factory. That's right, okay. Yeah, and then Sunday is 9 a.m. Okay. Um, but yeah, man, so it's going to be a wild, uh, fun time. There's going to be lots of work. There's going to be lots of hands-on learning. There's going to be... A lot of chance for Q&A, a lot of chance for discussion and networking. There's a lot of folks who are in the industry who are coming out. There's just a lot of lifting enthusiasts who are coming out. So it's going to be a great mix of folks. Anybody else that I know? Oh, Vanessa's not going to be there. Robbie told me that. Yeah, unfortunately, they're going yeah. to <laughs> Mexico, I think. Um, something like that. Or the Bahamas. Uh, something like that. Somewhere warm. Somewhere warmer than Nashville in January, I can tell you that. Right. Uh, but yeah, man, we got pe folks flying in. We got folks driving in. We got a lot of local folks. Well, so, that's cool. Yeah. Well, I will make an appearance, um, and there's a chance that she'll be with me. Sure. Um, so I'll probably be there Saturday morning. I might still try to sneak a lift in. My, my training this week is going to be trash. So I might try to still sneak a lift in early on Saturday and then head over. Sure. Um, but I'll keep you posted. Sweet. Yeah, it's, it's going to be hard, but we'll see. we'll see. And if she comes with me, we'll see what we can get away with. Love it. Maybe we'll do a Turkish get-up with this baby. There you go. A baby get-up. A baby get-up. Yeah. Well, dig it, man. Well, that's it from us here on episode 90. Eight. Eight of the A to Z No BS show featuring Summer. Thank you for listening. Hey, keep lifting and learning. We'll see you next time. Bye.